Well, if you turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20, uh, that's page 78 in the church Bibles, page 117 in the large print Bibles. I think I said that for the uh, passage in Ephesians, but obviously I got that one wrong. That is definitely the page number for uh, Exodus chapter 20, so I apologize for getting that one wrong earlier. And tonight we're just going to be uh, focusing our attention uh, on verse 12 of uh, that passage, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. We're familiar, I think, with the concept of uh, giving honor to people uh, in all sorts of areas of life. Uh, We are uh, called to honor people. In our country especially, uh, we have a whole honors system, don't we? So we might honor someone because of their position. So for example, uh, if we meet the queen, we wouldn't say, uh, hello Elizabeth, would we? We would say, uh, your majesty. Uh, Some people are honored because of their achievements. We give people uh, honors for uh, their life achievements, perhaps knighthoods, OBEs, MBEs, uh, CBEs and the like. Uh, and every November, uh, we have a different example of honor. Uh, we honor uh, uh, people for their sacrifice uh, in uh, war and, um, and, and giving their lives for their country. So we're familiar with this uh, concept of giving honor. There's lots of positions of honor, but there is one position uh, that God holds in the highest esteem uh, of all positions, really, and that is the position of father and mother. It's a higher honor, in fact, in the Bible than to be a king or a queen. It is to be a father and or or a mother. And we see that in the uh, verse 12 of Exodus chapter 20. Uh, Just look at that verse and I'll, I'll read it for us. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So we're moving on in these Ten Commandments. This is the fifth one. Uh, The first four deal really exclusively with our relationship to God. So the first commandment deals with who we worship, worship God alone. Uh, The second commandment uh, dealt with how we worship, no images uh, of God or of any other God. Uh, The third commandment speaks of how we think and talk and act about God, so not dishonoring his name. And last week, we looked at the Sabbath day, showing our dependence on God through resting, uh, both physically uh, and spiritually resting in the provision of salvation that God gives us. And this fifth commandment is kind of a transitional commandment. It's a bridge where the first four commandments focus on our responsibility to God, and from the the sixth down to the end, beginning with murder, really focuses our attention on how we relate to each other, but this fifth commandment ties those two aspects together as a kind of a bridge. And it's transitional because it deals with both of those things, our relationship to God and relationship to each other. Because a person's relationship to their parents, while not on the same level as their relationship to God, is still addressing a higher authority than themselves. So in that sense, it deals with how we relate to both God and to one another. And it may be a surprise to you that the first commandment in dealing with each other 
uh, human to human, is this command about honoring parents. I mean, surely uh, a bit of back chat is surely not as bad as murder, right? So it might be a surprise to think that this commandment is, is, is where it is in the list. The first thing that we're to think about when dealing with each other, honoring parents. Well, why is that? Why does uh, God place this commandment to honor parents uh, here in this list? Well, the reason is this, that the family is the foundation of society. The family is the foundation of society. Because it's within the family that we learn how to treat one another, how to love each other. It's where we learn how to live together and therefore put into practice all the other commands that follow this one. We learn those things, first of all, at home, under our parents. God has placed through this command parents in a position of authority within our society. And it's because of their authority, this position that they have, that we are called here to honour them. It's worth considering for a moment what that word uh, honour means. Uh, It actually has the idea of heavy or weighty. Uh, An interesting uh, little tidbit is that the the very same word is used in 1 Samuel chapter 4 when Eli, who was a very large man, died when he fell off his chair, partly because of the weight that he was. And when it says that Eli uh, uh, was killed, partly because he was heavy, heavy, that same word is what is the word here for honor. So it has the idea of treating something as weighty, as heavy. Now, it's not obviously talking about the, the physical size of your parents. It's talking about how, how, uh, how big this is to God, how we're to, to honor them uh, in this way. In fact, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 3, the command is, re- is written slightly differently. It says, each of you must respect your father and mother. And the word for respect is actually the same word that elsewhere is translated as fear, as in the fear of the Lord. And so the respect that we're to have for parents, the honor that we're to have, is the same in attitude as we have toward God. Not in the sense that we worship our parents, but in the way that we submit to them under their authority. So this command impacts how we obey, how we care for, how we speak of, and how we listen to our parents. To define what uh, it means to honor, we can say this. Honoring someone is treating them with the respect that their position deserves. Honoring someone is treating them with the respect that their position deserves. And so we can think of this commandment as giving honor where honor is due. And thinking of it in this way actually broadens out the commandment a little bit too. The family, as I said, is the foundation of a society. It's the place where we learn to live together and submit to authority. And the reason why that foundation is important is because when we leave the home, we don't all of a sudden leave all authority. There is a sense where we leave the authority of our parents when we become adults, but we don't leave authority altogether. So therefore, this command in submission to authorities still applies to us, even if our earthly parents 
have passed away, or we are no longer children under our parents. Uh, An old uh, catechism uh, defines this commandment in a way which I think is helpful in thinking about all authority. Um, The the language is a bit old, but I hope you uh, get the point. It says, The fifth commandment requireth the preserving the honour and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places and relations as superiors, inferiors, or equals. So what this is saying is that whatever uh, position of authority someone is in, we are to treat them as that position uh, deserves them, uh, gives them the, 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 the honor that it, that position deserves. And in fact, uh, one writer uh, called Thomas Watson, uh, he describes five types of father Um, He doesn't use father or mother. We'll see why he he should, but he doesn't uh, in in a moment. But he gives five types of father that this command compels us to honor. He talks of, first of all, the political father, that is our government. We're to honor our government, to submit to them. There is uh, what he calls, in a wonderful phrase, uh, the grave ancient father who is venerable for old age. So that is talking about those who are older than us those who have walked this life longer than we have and who have experience. Um, So the elderly uh, are to be honored in this command. He talks about spiritual fathers, so uh, the elders in the church as we submit to them. He talks about uh, what he calls the domestic father, that is uh, the master, that is your employer. That is another one. And then fifthly, the natural father, which is your parents. So there are five, government, elderly, elders as in the church, employers, and then father and mother at home. But Thomas Watson misses father and mother. And it's uh, perhaps, uh, I think he's wrong in this because this command gives equal weight to honoring both father and mother. Now it's true that in the passage in Ephesians, there is an authority structure in the home in terms of wives submitting to husbands and so on, but in terms of our children, they are to submit equally to the father and the mother. And it's a a very uh, bad situation when fathers and mothers are played off against each other to try and uh, get people's way. That is very wrong. Equal submission, equal authority is given in the Bible to both father and mother. And in fact, as we look at this command, it's also worth pointing out that when the Bible here says father and mother, there is no word in the Bible for grandfather or grandmother. Uh, There is no uh, word in the Bible for stepfather or foster parents or or any of those kind of things. Uh, When it says father and mother, we can mean all of those things. Now, we often think of authority as a bad thing, but this command, as with all the others, is for our good. So let's uh, follow in the structure we've been using, begin with the freedom of honoring parents. How does this command free us to live as God intended? Well, it frees us, first of all, as we recognize that authority is a good thing for us. Uh, God's law, as we looked at in the introduction to these commandments, is good for us because it keeps us within the boundaries that are good for us, that he has set. Uh, We use the illustration of of a motorway barrier. We don't complain that we're not free to drive on the wrong side of the road. We don't complain, or we shouldn't complain, at the traffic signs that keep us safe. Those are authorities that we have that are good for us. 
And although authority can be misused, generally speaking, having authority over us is good for us and it is good for the society we are in as a whole. And that is equally true in the family, in the home with the father and the mother. Uh, With permission, um, I can say this story, uh, but some of you may know that Paula was uh, adopted uh, when she was a teenager. But before Paula was adopted, uh, she didn't have any parents at home at all. It was her and her brothers. Now, some children would say, wow, total freedom from parents. How cool would that be? Parent, no parents to tell me what to do. I can come and go as I please. I can eat what I want uh, and all of those kind of things. And, and that, was, uh, that was the case for Paula. She was able to, to do all of those things. Uh, not maybe eat all she wants because you, you find out quickly when you leave home you have to pay for your food. But nevertheless, there was that freedom. But you ask her and she will say that when she was adopted uh, after a while of that situation... All of a sudden, she had authority and rules and structure in her life, and she will tell you she was crying out for that to happen. It was good for her, good authority that she came under that enabled her to really be much more freer than she was before. Family is the place where submission to authority is learnt. It's our first taste of it and the place where we also learn the consequences of disobedience. So, for example, if a child is going to touch the hot stove, it is a good authority that says, no, don't do that. And it is a good authority that tells a child there is consequences when you do do something that is wrong. That is good authority because when we leave the home, There is authority that we must come under that will have consequences if we disobey, that are often far more serious consequences than we would get when we are at home. If we don't learn it at home, then we will not learn it elsewhere, and we all pay for it. But more than this, true freedom is found in following God, and good parents show us God's good authority. In the home, we see his rule, And so we learn how to obey him. And although we may hate to admit it, we see God's wisdom as we recognize that our parents are so often right. It is just true. And I hate to admit it because the amount of times in my past I have argued against my parents only to find they were right. It is true. And it's the same with God. We can argue against him all that we like. But at least, certainly with God, we will find he is always right. We learn to come under his rule and his wisdom as we come under the parents he has placed over us. And throughout the Bible, especially in Proverbs, God talks about the wisdom of parents. Uh, Proverbs, uh, here's some, here are some. Uh, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. 
When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. So honoring parents is good for us because the authority points to the freedom of following God and to the wisdom of God. But this command goes even further because there is a promise attached to it. Look at the promise in Exodus 20, and I'll show the the, the same uh, version in Deuteronomy up there on the screen. It says, Honor your father and mother, and here's the promise, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And in Deuteronomy, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is not a rule that applies at all times. So if I'm a good boy or good girl at home and I do what my mum and dad says, I'm going to live to a very old age. We know that's not true. Uh, Tragically, uh, children... Uh, don't even outlive their parents uh, many times. But what this is, is a general rule of life. Life is generally better for us when we submit to the authorities that God has placed over us. That is just true, isn't it? When we spend our life fighting against them, life will be harder and life probably will be shorter. This is true in the big picture in life, but also it applies in the small ways. I remember as a child, uh, me and my sister uh, had to do the dishes. Uh, We had to clean the the bathroom and all these different things. But the dishes in particular, we used to fight over so much. And we would argue over whose turn it was. And I would fight with my parents when they told me it was my turn. I would say, it's not my turn, or none of my friends have to do this. I would argue. I would spend so much time, so much energy expended in arguing with them that by the time I was done arguing, I could have finished the dishes. And I still had to do them anyway. Life is harder and more frustrating when we argue over things like that. I failed miserably in this when I was a child. There is freedom in submitting to those in authority over us. It is exhausting. It is slavery to be continually fighting against them. And as we do so at home, when we leave home, we will end up doing so later in life as well. It is generally, uh, uh, life will generally be better and longer when we submit to those in authority that God has placed over us. And the reason that we don't do that and we fight against them is for, uh, because we have a very specific idol that we want to worship. And that idol is the idol of independence. Independence. My way, I want to be my own uh, authority and do things how I want them. That's the idol of independence. Now, if it was a surprise to see where this commandment was placed in the Ten Commandments, it would be even more of a surprise to see how seriously God takes this command. Uh, In the nation of Israel, listen to what God Uh, does to those children who disobey their parents. This is really strong stuff in Deuteronomy 21. If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gates of this town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. 
You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Why does God take this so seriously? The reason is because the disobedience that these children are showing is a threat to the whole of their society. If these things are let let go completely forever, then the society as a whole will disintegrate. And so God takes it very seriously. Now, this is not saying we need to do this today. This was for the nation of Israel. What this is showing us is that God takes this extremely seriously. Uh, Similarly, uh, an interesting proverb says, The eye that mocks a father, that scorns an aged mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. Now, I am not sure why the punishment is having eyes pecked out by ravens and eaten by vultures, but the point is pretty clear, isn't it? We are not to do anything that looks down on or belittles our parents. In fact, as we come to the New Testament, Paul writes in Romans 1 how God gives over a society that rejects him over to sin. And after Paul mentions sexual immorality and depravity of mind, he goes on to describe people like this. They are filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. Notice all those sins, a lot of us would look at and think, yeah, they're really bad. Disobedience to parents is right there with it. Uh, Paul continues this theme in his second letter to Timothy. Uh, When talking about what the world will be like in the last days, he writes, people will be lovers of themselves, uh, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. So what I'm trying to show you through those scriptures is that the failure to dishonor parents is part of a culture that is under the judgment of God. It's a very serious thing. God does not take this lightly, and neither should we. So having seen how seriously God takes this failure to obey, what does it look like to fail in this command? Well, there are obvious failures. So disobedience to parents, uh, for children especially, is an obvious one, isn't it? So children, obey your parents. When we don't do this, it dishonors God. And God does not add a clause here that says, if you agree with them. Sometimes you may not see a good reason why your parents are asking you to do something. Sometimes there may not even be a good reason why your parents are asking you to do something. God doesn't put a clause on it. He says obey. We must show the respect our parents are due through our obedience as children. So that's one way that we fail when we disobey our parents. But here's another way. We dishonor our parents when we talk them down. When we talk them down. And that can be in two different ways. When we can mock them or moan about them. Mocking and moaning are two ways that we dishonor parents. Uh, One that comes up a lot is the plethora of mother-in-law jokes that we apply to our mother-in-laws. That dishonors God. When we mock our parents or our spouse's parents. Uh, Sometimes our parents can be annoying. Uh, They can be frustrating. And yes, our parents, unlike our Heavenly Father, get things wrong, often. But we should not talk them down, and we should not despise them. And that applies whether we are children or whatever age we are. 
even when our parents have passed, we should honour them as their position is due honour from God. We also dishonour them when we avoid them. Obviously, we can't always see our parents if they live far away, but generally speaking, our parents appreciate a call from us on a regular basis. We dishonour our parents when we don't care for them, when they are old. We live in a culture where uh, we believe that all care is done by the state, so we can wipe our hands of care for our parents, but God says no. He disagrees. He calls us to step up and take responsibility for our families when they are in need. But I believe we can broaden this out to all authority. We need to be careful in obeying and we, where we can, and, where, and we ought not to mock them or moan about them. And a particular issue, I think, in our own society is the way that the elderly are so often despised and talked down on. Uh, I remember, uh, just for example, uh, when we had uh, the referendum a few years ago, some people wanted to overturn the result because, well, the old people aren't going to be around to see it implemented. How disrespectful is that of those that voted? We live in a culture where they are, uh, elderly are looked down on, laughed at, and not listened to. And God says that is wrong. However, while we are to honor those in authority, there is a question that I do want to address about how do we honor dishonorable parents? Now, there is a call for us to be worthy of the honor that the position gives us. So as parents, for example, uh, we are called not to exasperate our children. Those who are in, in government are, give, are called by God to govern justly and rightly. But tragically, very sadly, uh, parents uh, are not honorable in so many ways. Uh, there are times when uh, parents are abusive, they are absent, they are bad examples, they are manipulative. How do we honor them when they are like this? Well, it's not disobeying this command, certainly to escape an abusive situation in the home. Uh, we're going to look next time at the command not to murder, which is uh, really uh, abuse is part of that. And I would urge someone in that kind of a situation to get out and seek help. It's not also disobeying this command to say no to your parents or any authority if they ask you to do something that disobeys God. Our first command is to worship only God. He comes first. If an authority tells you to do something wrong, you must not do it. However, they are quite extreme circumstances. There are many cases, though, of dishonorable parents that are simply uh, bad examples. Uh, they don't want to be in a relationship with you. They may not be very nice to you. They may be a bad influence on your children and all those kind of things. In these situations, we obey this command by maintaining the relationship as much as we can. As far as we're able, we maintain the relationship. We try and share the gospel with them. And we must always be ready to forgive and to be reconciled to those family members that have been estranged from us. 
even in this situation, while it's fine uh, to talk about difficulty with with our parents, we still must not, even when they are dishonorable, talk them down, criticize them, demean them. We must still hold them in honor as our parents. And sometimes that is really hard, but that is what God demands of us. So we fail in this command when we want to live independently of everyone else. And all of us fail, and so we need a savior. And it is in Jesus we find the fulfillment of honoring parents. Jesus is God with us, and he left the glory of heaven and put himself under authority, including that of his parents. So Luke tells us uh, that he went down to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. So that the God of all creation became obedient to his parents. As a child, he learned to obey his parents. And later in his life, as he was dying, he made sure that his mother was cared for. Uh, John writes, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So Jesus was obedient to his parents, as we should be as children, and he cared for his mother when she needed care when she was older. Jesus understood families that were frustrating and get him, got him wrong. So in Mark chapter 3, his family thought he was out of his mind. Uh, some of us have had that very thing happen where our families just think we're totally crazy and want to drag us out of the church. Jesus understands what that's like. Families that get things wrong. But we never find him talking them down. Uh, Jesus was angry with the Pharisees when they dishonored their parents. In Matthew chapter 15, uh, we read of a specific situation. He says, uh, Jesus replied to them, Why do you break this command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So what Jesus is saying here is that the Pharisees, uh, if they had some, some money that they should use to care for their parents, they were able to say this money is devoted to God. And that meant that they didn't have to spend it on their parents at all. They had it devoted to God, but they could spend it on themselves. And so Jesus is saying that they dishonored their parents by not providing for their needs, but spending the money on themselves, claiming that they were righteous as they did so. Jesus calls them hypocrites for this. They need to honor their parents with their money. But Jesus adds something else uh, to this command. At the time when his family came to take him away, He said, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Jesus defines family beyond blood family and he makes the church his family. Therefore, we can say that we honor father and mother by honoring those in the church who are spiritual parents to us. This especially applies then to the care and the honor of the elderly among us, 
who have spent much of their lives following Jesus and are such wonderful examples to us. What a difference this way of thinking is from a society where we live, where the elderly are dishonored and laughed at, as I said earlier. Uh, one writer uh, says that, there, uh, in, in lovely words, there are fathers and mothers for seniority on whose wrinkled brows and in the furrows of whose cheeks is pictured the map of old age. These fathers are to be honored. We are to honor the elderly. We are to, to look after them and care for them, to listen to them and respect them. I remember a specific situation uh, in my life, in, a, in, in my first, uh, my, the only other church I've been a member of apart from here. Uh, but we had uh, Mother's Day, and we were giving flowers out to the mums. Uh, and um, it was the, the children, and I was uh, a teenager at the time, uh, like in our church, were giving out these flowers. But in the church at the time, it was just the actual mothers that were given the flowers. And I remember my Sunday school teacher was sat there in the congregation. And to me, she was a mother. And I got up from my seat, because my, my mum wasn't there. <laughs> uh, I went to get the flowers, and I brought them to her. She was my mother. And 25 years ago, that was, and she still, to this day, uh, talks about that time and thanks me for, for giving her flowers on Mother's Day. And she was every bit as much a mother to me because she showed me Jesus. And I think our church does right when we give those flowers and those chocolates to all of the ladies in our church and to all of the men in our church. Because even those that have never been able to have physical children, you are mothers, you are fathers, to all of those in the church who are much younger than you are, because they look to you, they look up to you. And that's a beautiful thing, that our, our church must do well, and does do well, and that is a great witness to our world, isn't it? So that's one way which we honor our father and mother in the church. So what does this command look like for us as, as Holy Spirit-filled people in the future? the future of honoring parents. Well, it's worth uh, saying that uh, this command is repeated in the New Testament. Uh, we read it in Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that command that God has given still applies every bit as much today. Uh, Paul writes to another church in the Col to the Colossians, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. So children, if you want to please God, obey your parents in everything, even when you disagree. Uh, how do we do that? Well, here's, uh, here's some practical uh, ways as, as children uh, you can obey your parents. Obey cheerfully. Don't complain at your parents for them wanting you to help them around the home or to do your homework or, as you see it, from restricting you from doing what you want. Now, although we get things wrong, very often, uh, we, you know, all of us as parents are failures in many ways, our motivation is to want what's best for you so that you will grow into wise and mature adults. We genuinely want that. And even though sometimes we may mess up, our motivation is to want what's best. So obey cheerfully. Secondly, say thank you. Because parents sacrifice a lot for their children, often in ways uh, that are just being nice, not because they have to, 
but because they want to. And we want to do this for you. But show gratitude. That's a great way to honor parents. And thirdly, just finally with that, uh, when you've done something wrong, which all children do, just say sorry. Don't argue about it. Don't say it was such and such's fault. Just go and say, I'm sorry. And you will be uh, uh, surprised, maybe, at the extent that your parents forgive when you just say, I'm sorry. Things will be worse, (laughs) I can guarantee, when you don't. Now, these things aren't easy. All children are sinners, but children are also part of God's family, and they are able to please the Lord as they honor their parents. But when we become adults, things change. How we, uh, how, how we obey this command looks slightly different. Now, parents shouldn't really be telling their grown-up children what to do, uh, as they were when they were small. There is something that has gone very wrong in the relationship, if that's the case. But nevertheless, we are still to listen to our parents' advice. We are still, I think it's a wise thing, to seek our parents' advice. It is good to be in contact with them regularly throughout your life. And when they are elderly, it is right that we step up and we take care of them. And I know that in our church, there are many wonderful examples of brothers and sisters who have cared both for their parents, for their uh, sisters and brothers and spouses and such things. And we must pray for them as they do a hard and noble task. But as a church body, I think we can obey this command in another two specific ways. As a church, we must help and support parents. Because as a parent, I need help. (laughs) I need prayer. I need support. All of us who are parents need that. We all have perhaps different views on parenting. We differ on different things. But here is a plea from a parent. Be a supporter of parents rather than a critic of parents. Before offering advice, offer prayer. Go to a parent and say, how can I pray for your children? This doesn't mean that we can never offer any advice, but I think it would be good as a rule to offer prayer and help before your pearls of parenting wisdom. We need help, support, and prayer. Be that rather than a critic. And I think the second way that as a whole church body, that every one of us here can obey this command is in how we care and respect the elderly. And as a church, we should be a very countercultural place. And a way that we can do that is through visitation. I think it would be good if, as especially I say this to, to younger people, go and visit someone who is elderly. They would love to see you. Go have coffee with them, or a cup of tea or whatever. Uh, Go and and, and speak to them, listen to their stories, learn from them. They have much to tell you. Because I can say this, uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. And that really is true. Things may may wear different clothes, but underneath, the same issues throughout life apply throughout all history. And there are elderly people that have walked difficult paths, paths that you may well walk through, Listen to them. Seek their counsel. Take their advice. And they will be blessed by your presence. And you, if you are humble, will be blessed by their wisdom.
Why don't you go visit someone this week? Phone them up, say, I'd just love to come round and have a cup of tea with you. And I'm sure that they would love to spend that time. We cannot honour our Father in heaven if we do not honour those that God has placed over us. They point to his supreme rule over us. And as his people, we must honour him by honouring our father and our mother. Well, we're going to close with singing uh, a song uh, which talks of coming uh, under the ultimate authority, that of God himself as we come beneath the cross of Jesus. That beneath the cross of Jesus is a position of submission and humility that all of us need to come under. So as we close, let us stand uh, and sing beneath the cross of Jesus.